Welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast, a podcast produced with students at UMMC. My name is Tim Chen, and I'm a former graduate of the UMC Medical School. Currently, I'm a family physician practicing in Mississippi. The goal of our podcast is to help our students and their families grow closer with the Lord and stronger in their faith and walk with God. With the rigors of school, it can be difficult to spend time with the Lord as well as fellowship with other believers. We hope that this podcast uplifts you during this challenging time and encourages you in your journey with God. Welcome back to the UMMC Bible Podcast. I've got Christian, our UMMC PhD student, with me today. We had a wonderful conclusion to the book of Genesis last week, and I'm excited to announce that we will be moving into the book of Romans for the next few months. The book of Romans is a book that I always knew as one full of theological truth. However, after getting into some of the commentaries as well as some books about Romans, I realized that it's more than theological truth, but there are so many applications concerning this matter of life. Here, I actually want to speak on two things before we start. Number one, this matter of life is seen throughout the Bible, and after preparing for the Genesis podcast and now the Romans podcast, I realized that this is something we have to really open and get into. In the Greek, there are three words for life, bios, suke, and zoe. Bios is the physical life. We get the word biology from it. Suke is a psychological life. It's what makes us us, how we think, our personality, our soul. The most mysterious life, though, is Zoe. This is God's eternal, uncreated life. When the Lord said in John 10.10 that we may have life and have it abundantly, that word is the Zoe life. He wanted us to have God's life. Now, some Bible expositors have said that, well, that just means he wants us to live forever. And in one sense, once we believe, we don't have to worry about death anymore. However, as we get into Romans, I hope that we all see that God's eternal life isn't for our future, but it has a lot to do with us today. In fact, if we don't learn to experience God's life today, our Christian life is extremely limited. The second point I want to point out is this matter of truth. As we get into Romans, I realize that Romans is going to hurt a lot of people's feelings. It will offend people. But regardless, we have to be faithful to God's word. We have to be faithful to speak his word. We might try to fit God into our culture, but God's word supersedes all cultures, beliefs, and emotions. I just want to put that out there. And this is from my personal experience. If you ever get offended by the Bible, the best response is to go to God and ask him. To fellowship with him with an open heart and mind. Ask him to reveal it to you. If you do that, God will surely reveal to you his heart's intention. Anyway, I'm about to get carried away. Christian, anything you want to add before we start? Um, No, that that was really awesome um, when you spoke. I'm looking forward to getting into it myself also. You know, it's been a while since I've really gone through this book, Book of Romans, and I was just considering your saying this matter of the Bible and the truth. And yeah, it's, I think it is important. There, there, there are some absolute truths. There are some things that are the truth and it can't be compromised. Anyway, I just, I just appreciated you mentioning that as we're getting into Romans. 
Fantastic. Well, Christian, we will be getting into some of the main verses in Romans chapter 1 today. Before we start, though, I want to pose this question to our listeners. What do you think of when you hear the word gospel? What does it entail? When you hear someone say, to preach the gospel, what does that mean? With that in mind, let me read the verses for today. As always, I encourage everyone to read the entire text. Today we will be hanging around Romans 1, verses 1 through 17. Here are some highlight verses. Romans 1, 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Romans 1, 9, 8. For God is my witness, whom I serve in my spirit, in the gospel of his Son. Romans 1.15 So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Romans 1.16a For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is a power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Bam! Paul the Apostle starts up the book of Romans on fire. And we can see this theme already. In Romans 1.15, it says, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. This implies that this letter to the Romans is actually a gospel. Growing up in church, when someone mentions the word gospel, I immediately think of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I never considered Romans as part of the gospel. But here, Paul is implying that what I'm writing to you, Romans, this is also the gospel. Christian, let's recalibrate our concept of the gospel and start here. What is the gospel of God? Yeah, let's talk about that. So what does the gospel mean? Gospel from the original Greek, it is evgeleos, which actually nice. means um, good good news, right? That literally means glad tidings, good news. So the gospel, in a simple way, is just... I have some good news for you, you know, like well, today there's so many bad news. <laughs> True. The, the news is terrible. This is good news, right? So that's the gospel. And previously, those, the four kind of traditional gospel books, those focused mainly on the life of Jesus while he was living on the earth, right? And then the book of Acts, like I mentioned, that's the the apostles after Jesus' death. And so now we've entered into this, this was this gospel then. It's not exactly focusing on Jesus in, in a sense, not on his life, right? It, it says in verse 1, the gospel of God. So what is this good news about then? Good question, Christian. I liked how you outlined it. The four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are indeed a gospel, a wonderful good news. It shows that the God of the universe became a man, a man we know as Jesus. He lived a perfect human life on the earth for 33 and a half years. He had a ministry on the earth in his last three and a half years. During that time, he did many things. He performed many miracles, like feeding the 5,000, healing lepers, healing deaf people, walking on water, and this is what many movies about Jesus focus on. In fact, the world portrays the Lord as a fun-loving person that just wants to help everyone. Even the disciples view the Lord in an outward way. What I mean by that 
was that they were arguing who was going to be first in Jesus' kingdom. They viewed him as a Messiah that would come and free them from the Roman rule and set up his kingdom on earth. But if we pay attention to the four Gospels carefully, we realize that Jesus wasn't about that at all. In today's terms, he's not about that life. Many times in the four Gospels, it's said that Jesus took his disciples away from the crowd. And in those personal times where it was just him and his disciples, there were very little mentions of miracles and outward good deeds. But you can see during that time, the Lord was focused on the disciples learning to depend on him. He was focused on this matter of the Zoe life and how it relates to his disciples. Even during the book of Acts, while you do see the disciples performing some miracles, that also wasn't their focus. They were preaching the Lord Jesus as your salvation. They were preaching the Lord Jesus as your life, as everything to you. And here in Romans, we see that the Apostle Paul is doing the same thing. You can say that the book of Romans is a continuation of the gospel. In fact, if you only preach Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, your gospel is actually incomplete. Not from a being saved from eternal perdition standpoint, but from a how do you live your life after you're saved standpoint. I know that sounds very controversial, but I hope that when we finish the book of Romans, we all will see that without Romans, the Christian experience is very short. You know, Christian, continue on this thought. As we were getting into commentaries on Romans, I saw this word full salvation. What does the phrase full salvation mean? So you're, you're asking me about full salvation. What do we mean by that? I think I can mention two terms here, and I think we'll for sure get more into this as we go through Romans because that is completely what it's about. The first word is judicial redemption, and the second word would be organic salvation. Okay, so these are two aspects of our full salvation. Judicial redemption, judicial meaning having to do with the law. So there's some kind of a legal thing going on. And there's a redemption that happened. And this is related to the Lord dying for us. Because we're sinners, the wages of sin is death. So that, that was the requirement for someone who sinned, is that they had to die. But the Lord paid that price uh, on our behalf by his vicarious death. Right, So that accomplished a judicial redemption. And then there's also an, a matter of organic salvation. Organic meaning something that is related to life, something that's living, uh, and a, a living salvation. So how does the Lord continue to save us after our redemption? It's a salvation through life, salvation by life. So I hope we can pick those terms apart and get more into it as we go on because I know that those might be really new or foreign to a lot of people but it's so it's really it's uh, it's really awesome uh, how the book really unfolds these things I like those two terms you brought out Christian because I think this really matches our experience I was saved and baptized when I was around 13 I remember hearing the gospel that the wages of sin was death and that no matter what, I could never save myself. doesn't matter if it's self-help books, donating more money, meditation, mindfulness, whatever you want to put in there, we could not save ourselves. And our destiny, let's just say, was not very pleasant. But praise God, 
He sent his son to die in our place, to take our sins upon him. And all we have to do is just believe and accept him. This is truly a gospel, a good news. And I believe this is what you meant by judicial redemption. Something was required and it was paid by the blood of Jesus. However, after I was saved at the age of 13, guess what? Life didn't end. The average life expectancy in the U.S. is around 75 years. What am I going to do for the next 52 years? Also, I realized that I still continue to lie, to do things I shouldn't. I still continue to sin, that I really hadn't changed much. What do we do now? I needed salvation not just from eternal perdition. I needed salvation from myself. And I believe this is when I realized that judicial redemption is actually just the beginning of our salvation. It started our Christian journey. In Romans 5.10, it says, For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. Hallelujah! For this phrase, much more, we are saved by His life. I realize that, yes, my sins are forgiven, but I needed to be saved by His life. And like we said earlier, this word life here in the Greek is the Zoe life. This, I believe, is what you mean by organic salvation. It's a salvation not by following a bunch of laws, a rule book of do's and don'ts. Rather, it's God's life as a seed in our heart that is now growing and spreading. It's starting to affect our mind, our emotion, our will. It's starting to change us inwardly. And this is what the book of Romans really brings out. This is why we say without Romans, our Christian experience will be sorely lacking. Yes, we will be saved from eternal perdition, from the lake of fire, but our life on earth as a Christian would be deficient. This is why we need to speak the book of Romans when we preach the gospel. Not only will it include our judicial initial salvation, but it also includes salvation in God's life, a full salvation. I just want to plug in... You know, you said you guys, we got saved, you got saved when you were young. And then like, now what do you do for the rest of your life? And, you know, wherever we are, we do have initial salvation. I had initial salvation, but I also like, what do I do for the rest of my life? And I got a lot of help from a book by a brother named Watchman Nee. I think a lot of people have got a lot of help from this book. It's called The Normal Christian Life. And it's, I would say it's his, it's his kind of, his interpretation of the book of Romans as a help to us as believers how to live a normal Christian life beyond just after our initial salvation, right? Anyway, I just want to kind of put that out there. Um, I think probably a lot of my speaking will draw from there if anyone's interested in, in, in getting into that also. Yes, that is also probably one of my favorite books. I read it when I was in college at Mississippi State, and it really revolutionized my Christian life. Let's actually dig a little more in this aspect of judicial redemption and organic salvation with these two verses here in Romans 1, 16 through 17. Let me read them first. Verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is a power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed, from faith for faith. 
as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now speaking about this matter of the gospel as it relates to our redemption, I thought the word choice here by Paul is quite fascinating. In verse 17, it says, the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel, which is interesting. It didn't say for the love of God is revealed or the grace of God is revealed, but the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. What do you think Paul means by this? Yeah, um, we've been talking about what is, why is it so significant that it's the righteousness of God here? It's not God's love, the love of God or the grace of God that are revealed in the gospel. Well, I think it shows that there's uh, like a, a legal element here with the gospel. There's the, especially related to our judicial redemption there. There's that term again. The power of the gospel is that it's it's supported by it's the foundation of it is uh, is God's righteousness. So we had this problem of sin, sins, and the Lord Jesus He took care of that by dying on the cross, and God accepted that payment. And as a result, now we don't have to suffer that that eternal judgment because of what the Lord did, and what holds that good news up, that gospel, is God's righteousness. He accepted that payment. And regardless of, on our side, you know, regardless of what condition we're in, if we're lovable or not, if we're in a condition to receive God's grace, regardless of our condition, it does. It still stands that God's gospel is so effective. That 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 the salvation is still effective because it's based on God's righteousness. It's not dependent on. It's essentially, it's not dependent on God's feelings, <laughs> how God would feel about us. You know, we we are we're pretty confident. You know, God has good feelings towards us. It's it's throughout. But yeah, so. Later on, really, you know, this book is so great. Later on in chapter 5, it says, you know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, you know, that, that really shows how much God loves us. But even then, it's not dependent on his love. It's his righteousness. That's the, the support, the, the, the legal binding factor of our salvation, our initial salvation. Awesome. Let's bring this point out. As unbelievers, God's righteousness is the scariest thing because you have no hope for it. We could not satisfy it and God's righteousness doesn't change. In fact, it says the foundation of his throne is righteousness. And we can try and change human laws so we no longer break those laws. But that's like a diabetic thinking if they don't check their sugars, then the diabetes is gone. Which surprisingly, I have patients that do that. However, that's not how it works. The diabetes is still there regardless of whether you check your sugars or not. In the same way, God's righteousness is there no matter if you want to acknowledge it or not. But while God's righteousness is scary for an unbeliever because it's unchanging and forever, to us believers, it's so comforting and reassuring. According to verse 17, it's the power of our salvation. It's the guarantee of our salvation. If we confess our sins, he forgives us not according to his love or grace, although he does love us and he is gracious to us, but the foundation 
the power of our salvation, the power of the gospel is his righteousness. How awesome is that? You know, that really is amazing, right? God, God chose to do it this way. He chose to, to essentially to legally bind himself to have to forgive. <laughs> you know, like that, that's crazy in a sense. But originally, like you're saying, you had mentioned from the position of a sinner, God's righteousness is like the worst thing we can imagine, right? But once we have just accepted, once we have accepted the Lord, you know, into our life, once we have accepted this salvation, and that's all we have to do. We just have to receive it. Again, that you know, that's amazing. All we have to do is just receive it by faith. And and now God's righteousness, it's, it's, it's awesome, right? It's because of his righteousness he has to forgive us. Anyway, that, that's really awesome. Amen. It is awesome. And really, this is how we live, right? We are now righteous not because of what we did or didn't do, but because of the Lord's sacrifice on our behalf. And this salvation, this gift, is forever. It's unchanging. As much as God's throne is unchanging, God's righteousness is unchanging, God's salvation is unchanging. And now we live a life by faith, a life not according to our feeling or what we think is right or wrong, but a life of faith in God's gospel, in God's righteousness, a life of faith in God's salvation. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think I, I, I have a little bit more appreciation even just now for uh, the righteous shall live by faith. So once we've been made right with God, then we can have life. And then how do we live our life, a life by faith? Anyway, that, that is so awesome. I'm really looking forward to getting more into this book, kind of focusing in, really drawing out the life, these key points that the Apostle Paul wrote, helping us to have a normal Christian life. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting, getting into this. Yeah, I'm excited too, Christian. I thank God for the book of Romans because it really links the life of our wonderful Lord Jesus to our daily living. You read things in the four Gospels like the Sermon on the Mount or the Lord's interaction with the rich young ruler in Luke 18. And my response is like that of the disciples. Who then can be saved? Who can live this life that Jesus portrayed? I like the Lord's response. With man, it's impossible. But with God, it's possible. Which then makes me ask, how? How will God do it? I'm going to leave that as a cliffhanger. Keep listening as we dig into Romans because in this book, God will show us his full salvation. He will show us what it means to have life. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Feel free to share with your friends. Everyone needs to hear the gospel, right? Everyone needs to receive God's wonderful salvation. We all need a full salvation. Hallelujah. I hope you guys all have a wonderful week. Have a great one, and I'll see you guys next week.
Israel in the 